Hello and welcome to Series 2, Episode 20 of the LDS Study Session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host as always, Matthew Roberts, and today we are going to take a break, as we usually do on a Monday from our Come Follow Me study, as we just get prepared for the week. I'm going to share something today, which I wasn't intending to. Uh, I was actually going to share something regarding the last uh, 116 pages, uh, as it seems a relevant time to do so, uh, considering that we're talking about Lehi's dream, and uh, the and then we had the study on the first Nephi chapter 9. However, I'm going to leave that for a week, because I've been studying something uh, which I really wanted to share with you, and I think that that is really important. It is regarding something that President Nelson uh, said in the last general conference in October 2019. He talked about this year, 2020, being a bicentennial year for commemorating and remembering the first vision. Uh, and he said, quote, You may wish to begin your preparation by reading afresh Joseph Smith's account of the first vision as recorded in The Pearl of Great Price. Close quote. He then continues on further down the uh, his comments after talking about the importance of the Book of Mormon, saying, quote, Select your own questions, design your own plan, immerse yourself in the glorious light of the Restoration. As you do, General Conference next April will not be only memorable, it will be unforgettable, close quote. Now, I have spoken about this talk and those comments on this podcast already. If you're interested, it was toward the end of December, so not very long ago, uh, but it was. Um, I did speak about these remarks on a previous episode. For those who are interested, it was episode 215 of the RDS study session. Uh, but uh, what I wanted to do is share something which I was uh, pointed towards uh, by a couple of podcasts, but also uh, one of my leaders uh, at church, and that is the uh, a podcast uh, which has been commissioned by the church uh, in, in coordination with the Joseph Smith Papers website. Um, and I found this really fascinating. So I'll uh, post a link uh, to the podcast in the show notes. But basically, if you just search the first vision on your podcasting platform, whatever it is you, that you use, then I'm sure that you will find it. It is a six-part miniseries about the first vision using the different accounts recorded by the prophet Joseph Smith, utilizing research by um, scholars and those that have done uh, that important work behind the scenes in looking into the first vision uh, and the important uh, records and the place where it um, happened, looking at kind of the, the, the scenery and landscape around it and just really delving into this this um, theophany, we call it, or this really important event. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you some of the key points that I picked out uh, from this six-part mini-series podcast, but I really strongly recommend that certainly before April uh, you have a listen to it and, of course, study the um, the first vision as recorded in the Pearl of Great Price as our prophet uh, has invited us to so that, yes, once again, this general conference will not just be a memorable one, but it will be an unforgettable one. Now, the first thing, and again, th this list of things that I picked out is not an exhaustive list of things that we learn, but it's just things that I picked out that I hadn't really considered before or kind of jumped out at me this time in particular, or things that I didn't know about, which, you know, there was a few things. Uh, the first thing I looked at was, or I found interesting, was the question that the Prophet Joseph Smith had as he went into the grove of trees. Very clearly in 1832, in, in the account given in 1832, his focus was about his own soul, the salvation of his soul, his forgiveness, rather than what church he should join. It only becomes clearer to him, I suppose, as he begins this great work and through the years he recognises that 
This vision was more than just looking for his own personal forgiveness of his sins, but there was a greater work about to take place. But his original intention to go into that grove was to be forgiven, to find direction and clarity on what he needed to do to come closer to his saviour. And don't we all have that, you know, in our lives? Particularly those I'm sure that are listening to this podcast. We all go through times where we are searching or seeking to become closer to the saviour and be forgiven of things that we have done. And this makes it much more personable uh, to us. Also, I found it interesting, and this is something I have really, I have considered before, because as a missionary, I used to teach that the Prophet Joseph Smith for months uh, was pondering this question, which church to join. And for me, myself, I always did wonder, why didn't he just get on his knees and ask as soon as that question started to form in his mind? However, um, what you have to understand is the context of the time that this was not the natural inclination of individuals at the time. People were used to having the doctrine taught that the Bible is a closed canon, that revelation and and the things like guidance from from Heavenly Father or the Lord was to come through the scriptures. Uh, And so therefore, people weren't naturally inclined to, to go and seek answers for themselves from God, rather because they believed that the heavens were closed and that the Bible was the, the authority on everything, uh, they would find the answer in the Bible, which is why the prophet Joseph Smith turned to that book of scripture for his answer, but then realized that within that book of scripture itself, it invites us in James to ask of God. Uh, and so that was just something which hadn't really occurred to me, why the prophet Joseph Smith took months until he actually asked God himself you know, for forgiveness of his sins and which church he should join. Um, so that was something which I hadn't considered. Something as well which I which I learned and hadn't realised before was that the 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 natural or the classical um, idea or image that we have in our minds of this first vision actually might not be what it looked like. Um, as we know, the Prophet Joseph Smith went in early spring. Now we we aren't sure what date exactly or even what month. So, but if we take it early spring as to be end of February through to April, maybe even the start of May, um, people uh, who have studied this, the grove uh, close to the Smith's home um, have made it clear that actually the, the image that we have in our head of a deciduous, greeny, um, leafy, sunny morning actually isn't probably what was in, um, encountered by the Prophet Joseph Smith at this time. Rather, it would have been, rather than a green deciduous forest, he would have been in a blossoming forest, and most likely white blossoms will have been around at that time. A very colourful scenery would have been there. And so it's important that we keep in mind that we are able to consider the sights, the sounds, the smells, the, the, the animals, the forestry that were there, at this, at this important time. Um, Joseph states, interestingly as well, whenever he speaks about it, is that it's a visitation, not a dream-like state or a vision. Uh, well, not he does use the word vision, but he, he moves away from seeing it by faith or, you know, in, in, in his eye of faith, he saw it. Um, because at that time, people, uh, many people uh, in that area and many other areas around were reporting to have visions and trances and dreamlike states where they see visions of angels, of God, of many things um, going on. But they always stated that it was like, you know, they saw it in the, with faith. They saw it, you know, in the, with their spiritual eyes. They saw it uh, in, a, in a dreamlike trance or state. Whereas the Prophet Joseph Smith is very clear from the beginning that this was a visitation, a vision. 
in in reality he did see them and he uses that language very clearly something which um, i'll put a side note here that martin harris fell foul of fell foul of when he was talking about his uh, role as a witness of the book of mormon he began initially to use phrases such as with his spiritual eyes um, or you know in, in spirits rather than in body and that's what some people started to criticize him of that actually he didn't see the plates or an angel but it was just a dreamlike state or or trance uh, where which he did correct later in his life but it was something which was very important at the time uh, whereas maybe today that wouldn't be such an important um, difference one thing I found interesting, and I actually read this, had the opportunity to read this uh, from the actual manuscripts uh, yesterday, was the way that jo the, the way the Prophet Joseph Smith struggled to um, put into words, you know, the experience. Which, of course, you know, if I was to have such an experience, then I would struggle to put it into words. Never mind this this young farmhand, you know, on in the in the west in Western New York in the early eighteen hundreds. Um, it's interesting that he writes in his own in his own writing um, a pillar of fire rather than a pillar of light but then and people who have studied the manuscript as well um, we can see clearly that he's changed the word fire to light but what they've said as well is that it's interesting that the the handwriting and also the the density of the ink demonstrates or shows that he wrote a pillar of fire and then he must have left it for some time and then decided in the end to change it to a pillar of light as if that was, you know, a more appropriate description of what he experienced. But actually, you know, a spiritual experience like that would have been very difficult to put into words. And so you can tell the Prophet Joseph Smith was spending time to try and make sure he could explain as clearly as he possibly could this spiritual event, this miraculous event, which of course would have been difficult to do with mortal words. I just thought that was an interesting um, point. And then just one thing that was mentioned uh, by one of the individuals who takes care of um, the kind of the sacred grove now uh, to, in today's world. I mean, it's wonderful to hear that they've tried to keep it, including the Smith's home, uh, as, as accurate to how it was in 1820 as possibly can be. They've kind of re, re, like remove work that had been done on the house to re restore it to its original state. But what's interesting about the grove is that there is a handful of trees remaining there that they call witness trees. And that is that there is a handful of trees there that would have been there at the time in 1820. Just a marvellous thought that, you know, in that grove, there is a handful of trees that will have been there for that event. You know, it's an exciting prospect. Anyway, those are just a few things that stood out to me. Uh, from this six-part miniseries. There is many, many more things to learn. So I would really, again, wholeheartedly recommend that you listen to this uh, miniseries because it is fantastic. It is full of kind of research about this first vision, but also it just adds more to my testimony and spiritual witness that this was a true event. It did take place. Joseph Smith did see the father and the son and he saw them. They physically appeared to him. In reality, he did see them. Uh, and, you know, I'm just great, grateful for, for that opportunity to have been able to study it. I hope that you've enjoyed the study today. If there's anything that you've been studying, I'd love to hear it at mattsroberts90 or email ldsstudysession at gmail.com. Once again, thank you for listening and until we meet again.